0: Well, as we look at Mark chapter 8, verse 27 to 38, we are seeing the real Jesus. And in this case, what it means to follow the real Jesus, it does mean just like the Lord died, taking up the cross. He's calling us to live that same life, to not come to be served, but to serve and to ultimately lay down our lives for our brethren in the same way Christ did. And so we find in verse 27 that Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. Now you're going to say, oh, wasn't there a Caesarea? Yes. A lot of things are named after Caesar, or to the glory of Caesar. So this name Caesarea, uh, you'll see in a lot in front of a lot of things. But this is Caesarea Philippi. It's up in the mountains, about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful picnic area to this day. Um, It's refreshing, there's large trees. When you go there today, it's interesting. They've got uh, all these nice little ponds with fish and very, very clean water. And there's this giant mountain you're at the foot of, and it looks like water's just coming right out of this giant rock that's a mountain. And uh, it's actually the beginning of the Jordan River. And so it's just a beautiful freshwater stream trickling out into these various ponds. And there's these trees and gas areas, grass areas. There's gas areas too for the buses, but not during Jesus times. And uh, (laughs) last Sunday, I I got some eggs and beans. and, And one of the guys doing the food ministry said where are one s- shop stop, um, food and gas, and uh, <laughs> I've still been laughing about that. Chuck uh, Andrew said that it's, yeah, food and gas, get them both right here, right after service, and uh, <laughs> but uh, and then you, you have little areas even today that sort of the uh, the terrain sort of breaks it down into little sections, up into the mountains and the hills. And uh, it, it's, it's just a very refreshing, beautiful area. And if you know where to go, uh, and I've been there in various trips that we've gone, there's some beautiful waterfalls with hikes and, and stuff as the Jordan River begins to pick up steam heading down that way. Now, interesting, on the secular side of things, it's considered the area where the bell worship started. It's also considered the place where the worship, the Pan, started by the pagans before them. And so if you go there today and you say, where's Caesarea Philippi? They may not know what you're talking about. But if you talk about the area of Pan, they call it Panius, but the people of that area could not say peas very well. So they call it Banyas, And you say, why do they call it Banyas?" Because they're trying to say Pan, but they can't say peas. So it's Banyas. So interesting, a lot of interesting things when you go and pick up on things. So they're in this area ca- um, that used to have and, and still have sort of the dugout inlet of caves for the statue of Pan set there at one time. And hey, very interesting, a lot of, lot of ancient history in Israel. Uh, past uh, and beyond the the nation of Israel. But anyway, they're there at this beautiful area, and he's sitting with his 12 apostles, and he's just striking up a conversation, who do men say that I am? So, you know, guys, I I do this after service. People sometimes avoid me for this, but I'll just say, what did the Lord speak to you today? Or if they say, well, I don't really remember the sermon or I was teaching Sunday school or, you know, I'll just say that's okay. What's God been speaking to you this week? What, where have you been reading the Bible? What's Tell me. It's not because I'm quizzing you whether you're saved or not. Um, it's because I want to be fed. I, I want that rhema word, that that word you've been speaking, God's been speaking to you. It doesn't matter if you're a week in the Lord. It, it doesn't matter because God speaks and then it, it just, as, as the, Paul said, let the word of God richly dwell in your heart and speak to one another. And it's just a poetic washing, Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs It's just this thing far beyond just the data. It's an inspiration as well. And Jesus here is, is having a conversation. So, hey, let, let's, let's define this. People are defining me in in different ways. And so, let's understand today, there there are many, many different Jesuses. You know, the, the Mormon Jesus is just the brother of Lucifer, who used to be on a planet called Koloth. They both had many brides on that planet. They were both approved to be gods of a new planet, but when Jesus was given Earth, his brother Lucifer got jealous, and and it's this crazy story, but Jesus used to be a man who evolved because he was a good Mormon on another planet, become a god. The Jehovah Witnesses say that Jesus is Michael the Archangel, and they find it quite offensive If you say that Jesus is Jehovah, the God, the one and only God of Israel, but yet there's three persons of Trinity, they very much reject that. Then you have a whole load of people that will say Jesus is the greatest moral teacher. There's no greater moral teachers. If any society would embrace the teachings of Jesus, just socially, economically, the treatment of women, the treatment of kids, the, the view on human life would be elevated. And, and you would see immediate uh, blessings on such a country that would attribute Jesus as the greatest moral teacher of all times. And so here the disciples are in the same place. They're, they're trying to figure out who is Jesus and we keep seeing in the Gospel of Mark, excuse me, (coughs) I just (coughs) swallowed that down the wrong pipe. (coughs) They keep seeing in wonder going, He just calmed the winds and the waves. Whoa, he just cast out demons out of this guy. (coughs) He just raised the dead. They're all in amazement. And they don't know what to make of Jesus. (coughs) <coughs> well, embarrassing. You know that I'm human now. <coughs> and uh, in Mark eight twenty eight, so they answered him. Just some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And one of the prophets. And um, so... Herod had spread the rumor after he beheaded John that he believed Jesus was the resurrection of John. Now they were cousins. Remember Jesus and John the Baptist were first cousins. They grew up in the same culture. And if you've ever been around people, I grew up in the Central Valley. Um, If you see people from the Central Valley, I have a lot of idiosyncrasies picked up from Living out there in the farmland with the farmers and in the view on life. And I say a lot of words rather strange, but to them, the rest of the world speaks strangely. Um, And and, and so I'm sure there's many mannerisms, probably looks, enunciation of words, how they spoke. Others believed he was Elijah. Elijah was a mighty miracle worker. And so was Jesus or one of the prophets. All the prophets came with a clear message from God and they came in authority. They came in power. They had never seen it in their lifetime, but they had read about it through the stories of the Old Testament. So what do you you make of this? So now he says, okay, let's finish. Now I, I might just add that today, You might add, some say he's Billy Graham. (laughs) Matter of fact, you know, Billy Graham passed away this week. I know his son Franklin had said, I was at a conference uh, a year ago and and he had said, I I do know uh, his son Franklin, he spoke here at the church once or twice in the past and tremendous man of God. Franklin Graham is just amazing, a truly amazing guy. But he had mentioned that when his uh, dad turned 99, he was determined to live to be 100. He's just like, yeah, I want to hit that century mark, and uh, a few months shy. And um, you, you guys heard that story about Billy Graham, right? Where the Pope came to visit him there in Charlotte, and uh, he was about 87 years old at this time, and um, they're they're leaving the airport and, and and the limousine and and uh he says to the Pope, you know, I'm 87. I've actually never driven a limousine. And the Pope said, I've always sat in the back of limousines. And he said, Let's let's have the limousine driver pull over. And so um Billy Graham says, hey, I've always wanted to do this, this is on the bucket list, and the guy's like, sure, and he got in the back, and and Billy Graham was in the driver's seat, and the Pope next to him playing shotgun, and Billy Graham is really getting excited about this, and he's getting on the freeway, and and it's 55 miles an hour, all of a sudden, the lights start shining, and uh, he pulls over, and, and the guy said, sir, license and registrate, and then he takes a double take, and Billy Graham and, and the Pope, and, and he, he goes back and he says, I know you said to give a ticket, no warnings for anybody here, but man, I, I think that you might want to make an exception here. Why? Who's in that limousine? I think it's Jesus, because Billy Graham's a chauffeur and the Pope's the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I rarely tell jokes, but in honor of Billy Graham today, some say might say, Billy Graham, great, great evangelist and so Jesus was as well. Well, in verse 29, he said to them, now who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Now, in the parallel passage in Matthew 16, he actually says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter, but my Father who's in heaven. And upon that rock, Jesus being the Christ, the Son of God, I will build my church upon that revelation, that declaration. So boy, did Peter not just get it right, Peter hit a home run. He got it right in a way that he had no idea he got it right. And and I don't even think that it was him. I think it was the Holy Spirit giving him a very specific insight into Jesus in that moment of just saying, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. It was powerful anointed moment and and Peter sensed it and the other guy sensed it and Jesus declared it. This is it. And here's the question that everybody has to answer. Who is Christ? Now, I, I, I would hate to say that if we all you know, took a survey here, how many different Jesuses we might come up with in this large multitude here today. Because there's a lot of people that see Jesus, and especially in American westernized Christianity, as the guy to bless you, the guy to answer your prayers, the guy to comfort you, And demonically so, I think a lot of people think that if you come to Christ, all the difficulties that humans normally experience, we won't experience because God will keep us from all the human difficulties, pain, sorrow, suffering. I think a lot of people think if they come to Christ, then he's guaranteed to make your marriage happier. Your finances, you'll be wealthier. Wisdom will be greater. You'll just have sort of an aura and a blessing about you as you go into the world. People will be more pleased with you than if you were not a Christian. And so often the message is preached Jesus died on the cross. So today, if you want to be happier than you are, come to Christ. If you want your life to be blessed in a way it can't be blessed unless you are in Christ. Come to Christ if you're feeling blue, depressed. Come to Christ if you want your marriage to be healed, if your kids to obey better. You have greater finances, greater health. Because if you come to Christ... Christ will make everything better right now on earth, and when you go to heaven, you'll have, you know, you got your cake now, and you'll have your, your frosting later when you get to heaven. That's often the Jesus that we in America have. Now, I traveled a, 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 par- a portion of this world. We went to... Hungary and Yugoslavia, now Serbia, right after the wall came down. I mean, months. And boy, the people wanted to know about Jesus. And it's interesting that they their their concept wasn't, "Can Jesus make me healthier and wealthier and richer and smarter and give me the American dream if I come to Christ?" Unfortunately, later the health and the wealth. Pentecostal movement came in and and did that. And boy, they had thousands and thousands of people coming to their churches for a short time. (laughs) And then when they gave them all the money and they didn't get rich, they they became very bitter at Christianity. And, And we were spending much of our time trying to explain to them that the Jesus they were preaching is not the Jesus that the majority of Christians throughout the world believe. There's a large group of them, but no, it's 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 a different Jesus. It's not the same Jesus. And he doesn't say, come to Christ and you'll be wealthy like Americans. And that's basically what they told him. And uh, and going again into the Arab world. When you receive Christ in the Arab world, your family relations don't get better. (laughs) Your marriage doesn't get better. Your parents' pleasure towards you doesn't get better. The city doesn't like you more. It definitely doesn't help your finances. A matter of fact, almost everything in the Western culture we attribute to Christ giving to us because now we're walking as Christians, the opposite happens in those Arab countries. The opposite happens in many of the Asian cultures, especially those dominated by the Muslim religion. The opposite happens in the secularist, communist countries. The opposite happens in China. Guys, listen to me. To this day, most people coming to Christ means things get worse on earth, not better. But yet... They're born again, they got peace with God. They don't care that things on earth have gotten more difficult. They are born again, they're going to heaven. Ray Comfort has the best analogy on this. He says, picture if you would, that you're on a plane. And the stewardess comes up to you and says, Sir, I would like to make your plane flight the most enjoyable flight you can have. So here's a 50-pound parachute I'd like to put on your back. It's going to make me happier? Yes. It's going to give me a better flight? Oh, yes. You'll be so much more satisfied if you put this parachute on your back. And so he puts the parachute and he's faces on the seat next to him he can't use his tray can't read a book it's hurting him it's causing his left arm to go numb and and after about 30 minutes he's like you've lied to me this is m- the most miserable flight i've ever had would you please take this back or this parachute off of me now if The stewardess came to him and said, sir, all engines have cut out. We are coasting for a few more minutes and we are going to crash. Everybody on this plane who does not have a parachute on is going to die. Now, would you put this parachute on? It's heavy, it's miserable, you're not gonna be very comfortable, but it is the only way to salvation. Now he puts the parachute on. His face is pushed in, his back is hurting, his shoulders going numb, does he care? And when he gets safely to ground with that parachute, what do you think he does to that stewardess? (laughs) Thank you, thank you for that parachute. Well, I'm, I'm sorry it made things uncomfortable. I'm sorry it caused you to have a miserable flight for a while. What? Who cares? I'm saved. Do, do we understand this? The apostles were trying to understand Jesus, the Messiah. What does it mean, the Christ, the anointed one, the Savior? oh, we're going to get rich. We're going to be famous. We're going to have more creature comforts. We're not going to be oppressed by Rome. We're going to have, when we go fishing, we'll catch more fish. Our, our boats will last longer. Um, we'll be able to wear nicer clothes and everybody will be nicer and kinder. And, and and oh man, the Messiah is here. It's going to be like the Garden of Eden once again. So Jesus Warned them to not tell anybody that the Christ has come because they had already tried to take him by force and make him king. But he began to teach them now, now that they got this laid out, uh, anointed revelation that Jesus is the Christ, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. He'll be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, good news, He'll rise again. Now, what happened when the guys heard this? They're having this wonderful, enjoyable, fresh spring water, beautiful fish swimming around, the shade trees. We're having such a good, relaxing, refreshing time. And you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Oh, this is so wonderful. Cheers. Um, man, this is just a beautiful moment we're all going to remember. And Jesus is like, great. Now, what does it mean that I'm the Christ? It means this, that I'm going to be taken into the hands of the Jewish leadership. I'm going to be tortured and tormented and eventually die on a cross. And I don't think they heard it. And on the third day, I'll raise again. But notice what Peter did here in verse 32. He re- spoke his word openly, and Peter took him aside and began to what? Rebuke him. Jesus. Whoa, 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 whoa. Man, you, you know, I know you can you can sort of get a little intense sometimes, and 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 you sort of see things differently that has sort of like a cutting edge. I remember when you turned the money-changing tables over in the temple and got a whip and drove people out and said, my father's house is a house of prayer. And I, I remember when you told the Pharisees they're of Satan and they're a bunch of whitewashed tombs with dead men's bones and they're sons of hell and those who follow them are twice the sons of hell of themselves. Yeah, 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 You, you get, you get sort of you sort of take a happy moment and sort of bring it down sometimes. And um, man, this is, this is not good. You, you need to be more positive. You, you need to, you know, may, maybe you should read How to Win Friends and Influence People, or you know, how to, how to try to see life where the cup's half full and not half empty. This is, this is just way out of line. And everybody felt the same way. Peter just said it. Notice in verse 33, when he turned around and he looked at these 12 apostles, these disciples, he rebuked him, saying, get behind me, Satan, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Whoa, <laughs> I've heard you say stuff to Pharisees and others, but man, not me, I'm your best buddy. You just came to my house and my mother-in-law fed you and, 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 and you just, out of your own words, what, two minutes ago, said I was hearing from the Father. And now all of a sudden, I'm from Satan? Whoa, you got some issues, Jesus. Um, and at that point, Jesus called All of the people together. So there Jesus had 70 follow him and then uh, a group of 500 follow him. There's probably hundreds here that are in this inner circle. And he called them all over now, not just the 12 apostles. And he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and then he can follow me. Now, I would like to make it clear here. He's not talking about self-denial. Boy, has church history messed up with that, where you have monks and monasteries flogging themselves and eating no sugar or having no pleasure, shaving their heads and you know, putting themselves into rivers where leeches are eating their bodies or to go live in a cave and never see sunlight uh, because they're living a life, as Jesus said, of self-denial. So they're not giving their bodies pleasure so they can be holier for God. Horrible, guys. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Jesus is not talking about a diet. (laughs) He's not talking about making yourself uncomfortable here. That will make you more spiritual. Ridiculous. He's simply saying, you've got to come to the place to understand that Christ is going to give you the ability to live for God and for others and not ever even consider your own wants and wills and desires and pleasures. You're gonna live in such a way that everybody's interest is more important than your interest. You're gonna live in a way to see every man as better than yourselves. You're not just gonna become a servant, you're gonna become the lowliest of the lowliest of the lowliest of servants who wash the feet. And even when you become great in the eyes of men, you still will always observe yourself as the lowliest servant of men. This is why the Messiah came. Now, sometimes. When people begin to follow the Lord, they quit being alcoholics or drug addicts, and yes, their minds come back to them, and yes, their marriages get better, and yes, they get an education, and yes, they're better workers, and yes, it makes their finances better. It's it's sort of a effect that we see happen when revival hits a continent. Typically, the first generation Christians within about a 30-year period become business owners, and the most educated, and the most civil and formal, and they become the politicians. And and Christianity does bring great blessings just on the outflow of people trying to follow Jesus morally, honestly, lovingly, forgiving, caring. Yes, it really does bless the society. But that's sort of a manifestation It's not what Jesus came and died on the cross for. Jesus came and died on the cross, so we have the ability to die to ourselves, to live for others. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and ultimately give my body um, as a living sacrifice, a ransom for all people. And so he, he says, understand right up front, why is Jesus going to the cross? Yes, so our sins are forgiven. Yes, that our names can be written in the book of life. But on planet Earth, how is that going to look? It can look a lot of different ways. Hebrews 11 tells us, by faith, miracles happen. By faith, the dead were raised. By faith, armies were set to flight. I, I love that it's in uh, Hebrews I believe it says, by faith, they were saved from the sword. And then in verse 37, it says, by faith, they died by the sword. By faith, they were sawn in two. By faith, they were ripped to pieces by wild animals. By faith, they were tortured to death. By faith, they wandered around in caves and holes in the ground. And these people who suffered so much for Christ, the world is not worthy of such princes such priests, such mighty people that are going to be great in the kingdom of heaven. Earth was nothing but torment for them, standing for Christ. They never saw the pleasures of following Christ on this earth. It can look different ways. But yet he he, he says here, I am going to give you the ability to take up that cross. Now, we've really sanitized the cross, we, we, we really have a disconnect because of the thousands of years of, of such a death penalty. But just for a moment here, not to be irreverent, but let's say that Jesus went to the electorate chair and they bound him and they strapped him in and they put the helmet on and there his body began to shake, his eyes bulged out, blood's coming out of his eyes and his ears and, and, and he's shaking and, and uh, you can smell the, the, the smell of burning flesh from the electricity. And then he died. Now, now imagine you walking around with a necklace of an electric wheelchair electric chair earrings. We have electric chair on top of our building. And we have a picture of electric chair here behind me as I preach. And you say, that, that's, that's, that's not artistic like the cross. Yeah, guys, you gotta understand that the cross was just sadistic. It took a very pagan group, and even a lot of pagans thought it was pagan. A lot of hideous, sadistic people wouldn't do the cross because that's what the ultimate sadistic people do. Leave you there for days, hanging on the cross, suffering. And a guy would walk by, they would put him right on the, the, the most popular freeways there of the day and they'd walk by and the guy would, would say oh that poor guy on the cross he'd go out of town and come back a week later and there's the guy still hanging but now his face is bloated and his lips and they're giving him a little bit of water just to keep him alive not to comfort him just to keep the agony prolonged They put the spikes in the hands, if they did put spikes, in a way that wouldn't gush a lot of blood because they wanted this person to suffer for a very, very long time. You know, we understand nudity in our day and age, but in that day and age, it was probably, it would be like somebody getting raped today, having their clothes stripped off and hanging there completely naked On the cross. It was a shame to to just the nth degree of this day. And there Jesus is hanging on the cross. And and so the idea of Jesus being taken by religious leaders, handed over to the Romans, and to go to the electric chair, if you would, to go to this thing, it's just Jesus, do you realize how sick you sound right now? No, 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 no. The Messiah is coming with power, not weakness. The Messiah is coming with glory, not shame. The Messiah is coming to give life, not to die. I think, I think you've taught us pretty clearly here. People are healed, the dead are raised, the gospel's being preached, people are coming, and, and they're a, more happy and alive than they've ever been hearing your messages. And, and now the Messiah is gonna be this wimpy, disgusting, criminal guy going to the cross. And Jesus is saying, yes. And me doing this is not just me doing this, every day we're together, every day I'm walking, we're going to the cross, and I'm setting an example for you. Well, we know that passage well in Romans 12, right? Verse 1, it says there that I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus saying, deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who helped out those that were being persecuted by the Nazis in Germany, He says, when Christ calls a man, referring to salvation, he bids him come and die. In 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul says, I die daily. In Galatians 2, 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me paul says the moment i said jesus be the lord of my life i don't care anymore about how christianity blesses me benefits me comforts me it's simply a way for me to die i take that christ and that cross until i die daily I wake up it's not about you paul It's not about what Christianity can bless you or give you. Paul says, man, I've been beaten by rods. I've been beaten by whips. I've been hungry. I've been robbed by my friends. I've been robbed by strangers. He gives this giant list in 2 Corinthians 11, having shipwrecked many times. We look at these apostles. After Jesus raised from the dead, you can read a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. For several hundred years, Christians would have three things. They would have their Bible, they would have a hymn book, because they would sit down and sing together in parks and sing together at funerals and weddings, and they would have their hymn book to sing. And then the next thing they always carried was Fox's Book of Martyrs. For a few hundred years, Christians carried those three books because they did not want to forget the doctrine and put it to song, and understand what Christ was calling us to. James, the apostle here, would only make it about eight months before Herod killed him. These men were imprisoned and beaten. Boy, if you you read through what happened to these apostles, it's horrific. It's, It's hard to believe the kind of torment they went through cages with rats in it, opening it into the door, tying it onto these starving rats until they just ate the guts out of a person while he's watching, boiling them. Of course, you know about the gladiator stuff and the wild animals and so forth. Peter eventually himself was to be crucified. You want to be like Jesus? We're going to crucify you like Jesus. And he says, please, I'm not worthy would you crucify me upside down? And that's exactly what they did. So these guys eventually got it. Peter got it. Later in 1 Peter 2, he, he says, guys, don't think it's some strange thing anymore when you're going through fiery trials as if God is not blessing you or helping you or answering your prayers or, or God is weak or God is unable. Or No, when you're going through these things and you're under so much grief, and you're being beaten and suffering for Christ's sake, just remember to this we have been called to, as Christ suffered, leaving us an example that we would follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor deceit was found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore sins in his own body on the tree whose by stripes we are healed. All of us were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. How did salvation come to us? Christ, not just dying on the cross, but Christ denying himself, becoming the servants of all men, day after day, year after year, not being served, but serving, denying himself, Even before he physically carried the cross, he was living a life as if he were carrying the cross. I'm not here for money. I'm not here for fame. I'm not here asking the Father to to give me rich relationships and and give me great opportunities for jobs. And so it, it, it wasn't about earth. He didn't sit around saying, okay, God, I'm being a Christian. I'm giving up opportunities to fornicate and commit adultery and drink and smoke and and live in a, a party life that's going on around me. I'm not doing that, so you owe me, God. So since I'm not doing what the kids at school do, since I'm not going out after work with the guys, which is sort of Making things uncomfortable at work. So since I'm denying myself of these things, you owe me. And the way, I, the way I like it is money. The way I like it would be when I need something, you owe me. So heal me. Heal my kid. Stop the rain so I can have a better vacation. Whatever it is, God owes me. This is This is craziness. This is not in the Bible. Nowhere does Jesus say, come into me and I'll make you happier. Matter of fact, he says the opposite. He says to the apostles in John 16, understand if you're coming to me, I want you to understand this. They're gonna hate you. They're gonna kill you. They're gonna kick you out of the synagogues thinking they're doing God's service by getting rid of these Christians out of this church. I'm trying to explain to you, because I don't want you to be stumbled at that time, that it's not gonna look very prosperous being my follower. Jesus said, man, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. I have nowhere to lay my head. That's gonna be your lot. And boy, it was tragic and difficult. As you read missionary stories, and I encourage you to do that, go read the life of David Livingston. Go read the life of Hudson Taylor. Go read the life of William Carey. These guys literally lost their children, their wives, their health, their lives. They were, Satan did a work by causing men back in England from where they came to start rumors to cause their financial support and people that were coming to aid them to stop almost all of them had that, where there was just this lie of the devil. They, they said of Hudson Taylor as one of the most sweetest guys on earth, that he would get an army of pagan Chinese guys and go into a village, and everybody, they would put guns to their head, and unless they signed up to be a Christian, they'd blow their brains out. And in England, they believed that. And they just stopped. He, he was A criminal there and 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 they stopped all the financial support it was of course he's in the interior of China he can't get back out these kind of things that you're just going nobody in their right mind would believe such a thing of Hudson Taylor a doctor such a loving kind man but yet it went on for years and even after he went back and proved it a fake still the rumors continued And then he says in verse 35, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. Do we get this? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 12, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that at the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live, listen to this, Second Corinthians 4 11, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, here's the formula. Death is working in us, that life might be in you. Paul says, I reason thus. I suffer all these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I believed, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. What day? The day when he stands before the Lord as the wealthiest for all of eternity in heaven. Well, Jesus ends in chapter 8, verse 36, a couple of thoughts. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Verse 37, Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Or verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So I, I just want you to stop here and observe this. They're having this nice little fun picnic up in Caesarea Philippi, beautiful, refreshing scene. They've been traveling up into the mountains. It's just been, oh, the multitudes are not around. They're having such a refreshing time. They're having this nice conversation. Jesus stirs it a little bit. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Yeah, you got it right. Father, thank you for revealing this to all these guys through Peter right now. Let me me explain to you the next thing what's going on. What does that mean that I'm the Messiah? What does that mean that I am the Christ, the son of the living God? I'm going to explain it to you plainly. It means we're heading to Jerusalem. Of course, at this point, it's about eight months out. And they're going to arrest me. They're going to treat me like a criminal. It's going to be instigated by the Pharisees and Sadducees and Sanhedrins. And then I'll be handed over to the Romans, and they're going to do their pagan execution of the cross. And then after it is finished on the third day, I'll raise from the dead. Peter jumps up. Can we talk over here a minute privately? And of course, it wasn't far enough and it wasn't private. All the apostles are hearing it. And Jesus turns around and they're like, Peter's got a good point here. Peter, right now, your mouth is speaking the same words the devil has been speaking to me since the day I was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness, telling me, I don't need to suffer. I don't need to go through hardship. I don't need to die. That all the pleasures of the world are mine. If I'll bow down and and just give my allegiance to the devil, this is you. Jesus was not joyfully, whoo, I'm going to go suffer and die. It was horrible. Even the night before he died in the garden, he, he sweated blood, and, 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 and as he sweated, blood came out, and, and he, he was so taxed. Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass, but not my will, your will be done. He was suffering every step. The cross, even though it physically wasn't there, it was clearly there in his mind, knowing that was going to be the ultimate. And, and Satan's coming in. You don't need to. Lighten up. There, there's, a, there's a gospel that would be more pleasing to everybody. Even the Romans would like it. If you'll just sort of take the cutting edge off of your messages and 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 you know have a more socially acceptable gospel. More focus on the feeding of everybody and and less on the teaching stuff that's sort of upsetting people and jesus says to him and everyone this idea of a messiah who does not suffer and die and raise again it is a gospel from the pit of hell and Satan right now, as much as the Father just spoke through you two minutes later, the devil and his gospel has been seared into your mind, and you're speaking. Because why? Because you're mindful of the things of man. You are thinking how Christianity can make earth heaven. It never's going to happen. How to make Earth less painful, more comforting, more tolerable. Well, at least I can be prosperous and happy, even though, no, I, I, I am not telling you that Christianity is gonna benefit you on earth in any way. You need to be mindful of things of God. Heavens are gold, earth is just a vapor of time. If God gave you gold and silver and the best houses and all of this for a second, right? I mean, if I, I said to you, the good news is here's a trillion dollars in your bank account. Woo-hoo. The bad news is you're dying in an hour from now. Well, who cares that I'm dying in an hour from now? I'm a trillionaire. Is that what's going to happen? Guys, life is just a vapor of time. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Guys, you don't want to focus on the treasures here. Put your treasures in heaven where moth can't eat it, thieves can't steal it, rust can't corrode it. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And this is what he he says this is the right Jesus, this is the true gospel. And if you are coming to Christ to make you happier and richer and have better friends and a better social standing in the community, you're not going to make it (laughs) because Christ is not going to be your genie in the Bible. Christ is not going to be your Confucius. Christ is not going to be your guru. Christ is not going to be the guy that Blesses what you want. Here's the lottery ticket, please, Lord. Bless this in Jesus' name. I believe you. You know, oh, well, you didn't, you didn't give me the lottery, God. Why don't you answer any prayers? You have never answered any of my prayers. It, it, it's it's ridiculous. And Jesus basically says, if you're not willing to preach this gospel, if you're not willing to follow this Jesus, then one day when you stand before the Father and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? And you look to Jesus and you say, because Jesus died on the cross and rose again, conquering all sin and death through me, and by his grace, my name's written in the book of life. And Jesus says, I- I've never known you. You believed all the right stuff, but you didn't deny yourself, tape, cup, rock, cross, and Follow me. You believed all the right stuff. You studied all the right books. You went to all the services. You, you sort of gave a little money here and there, and gave a little time here and there, and you, 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 you did the minimum to, to, to be a part of the pack, but now the two-edged sword's coming down. You denied me on this earth, either with what you did or what you were unwilling to do. You didn't follow me. And now, Father, let it be known to all the angels of heaven, this man wanted Christianity without a cross. This man wanted to follow God in human flesh who lived his life as a servant and died a hideous death, taking all the sins upon himself, but all he wanted was to get on the coattails without any true sacrifice, without truly making God first, and his kingdom first, and his righteousness first, and willing to stand, even though it would mean he would be unpopular, persecuted fired, maybe even put to death, his own family being tortured, and suffer because he's standing for Christ. Therefore, I will not recognize him now before my father. I will not recognize him before this great host of angels. In this lifetime, you received your pleasure you received the benefit of calling yourself a Christian, but never didn't benefit yourself when it, you kept quiet about being a Christian. You made sure you flew under the radar and just kept yourself from ever being too Christian to get hurt, but enough Christian when you're around the Christians to get those benefits. And it's always been clear to me that you have a different Jesus. Your Jesus never asks you to deny yourself. Your Jesus never asked you to pick up a cross. Your Jesus never asked you to walk as he walked, to walk as dear children as Jesus himself walked, giving his life as a sacrifice. Jesus made it clear You either are following him all the way or you're not following him at all. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. There's so much of the Bible that has such a social aspect to it that we can forget about these verses. We can pat ourselves on the back for having gone to church. given a few bucks, spent a little time, but yet we're truly not followers and seekers of you, desiring to live a life in a manner that's worthy of you, fully pleasing you in every respect. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me. Lord, how I need this message more than anybody to remember what you have called us to. As Tozer prayed, Father, I want to know you, but my cowardly heart fears to give up its toys. I cannot part with them without inward bleeding. I do not try to hide from you the terror of the parting. I come trembling, but I come Please root from my heart all those things which I have cherished so long, which have become a very part of the living self, so that you may enter and dwell there without a rival. Another prayer of Tozer. O God, I have tasted your goodness. It has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, I want to want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me your glory, I pray, that I may know you indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair when I come away. And give me grace to rise and follow you up from this misty lowland where I have wandered so long. The Bible simply says, confess your sin. He's faithful and righteous to forgive you of all sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Dear little children, get your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let go of the sins and things that aren't necessarily sins, but their weights, keeping us from following Jesus with the cross. Lord, we come right now. We no longer have earthly expectations of you blessing us here. We no longer come with a mentality of the devil himself that we can clarify whether Christianity is real by how blessed we are, how healthy we are, how wealthy we are, how happy we are. Christianity is true because there is no other way under heaven in which men can be saved except through Jesus. There's one way for this heart that's been sold under sin and to bondage to be rescued and given eternal life. And that's through the cross. You didn't come and say, I died on the cross to make you happier and healthier and wiser and socially more popular. You you came and died on the cross that we could then deny ourselves, take up a cross and walk even as you walked. Let your word, you said we'd know the truth, the truth would set us free. Let that word go in right now. Mm. If you're here today and you're going, wow, I've heard types of things like this. I've just never heard the gospel as clear as this. I want to be saved. Cry out, Jesus, save me. If you're here today and you've been walking in a Christianity that's pleasing to you, but not necessarily pleasing to God, Just be honest with him. You don't have to have the right words. You don't even have to have the right heart. You just need to come. He'll give you the heart. He'll give you the stirring of the spirit. He'll, in his grace and mercy, draw you to a place that you cannot draw yourself. Your heart's bitter, hard, callous. Lord Jesus, draw me deeper. Jesus, help me to hate this world and love you above all things right now lord jesus take my life that i might live from this day forward the true christian walk Mm. as we continue to worship i'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and receive the tithes and offerings and then we're just going to sing a song or two and and just this is your chance to just say lord I surrender all. Lord, I want to seek you first in your kingdom and your righteousness, whatever that means from this day forward. Let's worship him.